Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14 while I switch microphones. Can you hear me now? All right. We're not going to read it quite yet, so hold on. Hold your horses. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you today. I pray now that as we look into your word that you would Open our eyes to what's written, our ears to your spirit, our hearts to your moving. And we pray that you would help us to look forward to going to heaven. And I pray, Father, that anyone here today has not made their reservation has not trusted Christ as their Savior, that before they leave here today, their name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been somewhere so wonderful or unusual that you cannot describe it for someone who's never been there? I mean, you can try. You give it your best shot. I I think about the Grand Canyon. How many have been to the Grand Canyon? It's hard to describe the Grand Canyon to someone who hasn't been there. I mean, even if you see it in pictures, to actually stand on the ledge of that enormous chasm is an awesome sight. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? I grew up about an hour and a half from Niagara Falls, so I I went there all the time. Uh, But still, it is an amazing sight to stand there and see all that water. But you, you understand what I'm saying. You know the kind of place I'm talking about that you just, words cannot fully capture what that place is like. It has to be experienced firsthand. Well, heaven is that kind of a place. I mean, it doesn't matter how much we read what the Bible says, and the Bible really doesn't have a ton of information about it. It doesn't matter how much we read what the Bible says. It doesn't matter how many sermons I preach or somebody else preaches about heaven. It doesn't matter how many books you might read. By the way, uh, there's a great book on heaven. Carl told me about it, which I already had a copy of it, but Carl reminded me of it. Uh, It's simply called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's about that thick. It's a real thick book. But there's a lot. It's a really good book. Uh, He's a seminary professor and a pastor. So you might want to pick up that book. It's just simply called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. But... No matter how many books you read, you cannot describe, nobody can describe heaven. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, we can't even begin to think about how wonderful heaven is going to be. But I'm going to give it a try. I'm preaching on heaven today. I've already told you. The next two weeks, I want to answer your questions. All right? Or try to answer your questions. So write them down or email them to me, barry at hopefellowshipga.com, if you want to email them. Now, uh, let's read our text for this week. John 14, verse 1. 
Again, this is in red ink, which means Jesus' words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you. You can be seated. So Jesus here in this passage, he's, he's on his way to the cross. He's just days away from hanging on the cross. And he's sharing this stuff with his disciples, and his disciples are getting discouraged and troubled about what's going to happen, oh, how, what, what's going to take place, how, how's all this going to come down. And so he tells them, look, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. And in the process, he shares some things about heaven that I think we can pick out of this passage of Scripture. I want to give you seven. That's the perfect number, right? That's God's perfect number, seven. So I picked out seven. All right, here we go. First one, heaven is a promised place. A promised place. Jesus says it right here. Uh, he says, if it were not so, in verse 2, I would have told you. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus a liar? No. He, the Bible says he is not a man that he should lie. So, Jesus promised this place called heaven. Heaven is not a figment of someone's imagination. Steven Spielberg didn't think it up. It's not just a, a good thought. Some people say, well, heaven's just a good thought to kind of help people get through this life. Well, that may be true, but it's a, it's a promised place. Some people say heaven is right here and right now. Say, what? What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> John MacArthur said, if this is your best life now, you're on your way to hell. Listen, as good as this life might get, sometimes this life gets good, doesn't it? But as good as this life might get, it is just a drop in the ocean compared to the promised place of heaven. Jesus promised it. I'm going to prepare a place. You better believe him. It's a promise. Here's the second thing. Heaven is a prepared place. Did you see what he said in verse 2 and 3? In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, twice. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. What could he be preparing I mean, when I look at this world that he created, I think about, wow, this, I mean, it's marred by sin. Paul says that the whole creation is groaning for the day of redemption. 
But it's still a pretty beautiful place, is it not? I mean, when you see flowers and bugs flying around. <laughs> Do you ever wonder why Noah didn't kill those mosquitoes when he took them on there? It's a beautiful place. But listen, God knew that this earth was a temporary place. Did he not? When he created it, did he know it was temporary? Church? Yes, because yes, he knows everything. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what the outcome was going to be. So he knew this was only a temporary place. So if he knew this was a temporary place and yet created it so beautifully, think about what he's preparing for us for eternity. Have you ever been invited to a special event of some kind and you had no idea what to expect? I mean, you just knew you were invited to this special thing and you didn't, you didn't know what it was going to be like. You didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but, but you went. Something was prepared and you went. You had to go find out what it was like. You, you couldn't just find out without going, so you had to go. Do you know what? Heaven is a million, billion trillion times better than anything you can go to here on this earth. Right? God is preparing something very special as an eternal place of re residence for his people. Can you imagine? That, that, that's why nobody can, really, nobody can really put it together. Nobody can really describe it. Nobody can write a thick enough book to really describe about this prepared place. So it's a prepared place. Thirdly, heaven is a prestigious place. Now, Jesus doesn't lay it all out in this passage, but he does say, in my Father's house are many mansions. He calls it my Father's house. I would say the Father's house is probably going to be a prestigious place. Would you not? How many of you have ever been to the Biltmore house? If you haven't been, you need to go to the Biltmore House in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, I mean, you, you see that place from the outside. How many remember the first time you went there and you pull up and you, you see this humongous, and you think this was somebody's house? Wow. And then you go in, and even though it's really old, 100-plus years old, uh, I mean, you think, wow. I mean, they had a bowling alley. They had an indoor swimming pool. They had indoor plumbing. Back then, that was unhurt, right? I mean, you have two bedrooms and a path. Right? Not two bedrooms and a bath. I mean, it's a prestigious place. It's really nice if you ever go there at Christmas time and see it when it's all decorated and lit up for it. It's beautiful. But it's impressive when you go to the Biltmore. I want to tell you something. The Biltmore estate will be like an outhouse compared to heaven. Because heaven is a prestigious place. How prestigious is it going to be? Well, we've got to look at some scripture to, to, uh, to try to answer that. Look at Revelation. That's easy to find. It's the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 21 Just, just, just listen to this, beginning at verse 10. John's getting a vision of heaven. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he, talked, he who talked with me had a gold, reed, a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. That's about 1,500 miles. Now, to give you some perspective, that's from the east coast of the United States to Denver, Colorado. That's pretty big space. That square. All right, keep reading. Verse 18. The constructions of a wall was, uh, oh, oh, no, wait, wait, I skipped them. Back to 16. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length and breadth and height are equal. So it's a cube, right? 1,500 miles in every direction. All right. Keep reading. Verse 17. Then he measured its wall, 140 cubits, according to the measure of man that is in the, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold. Like clear glass. The foundations of the city, wall of the city, were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second was sapphire. The third was calced. I don't even know how to say that one. Junior Hill would say hard word. Calcedony, is that how you say that? All right. The fourth emerald. The fifth sardonyx. The sixth sardius. The seventh chrysolite. The eighth beryl. The ninth topaz. The tenth Chrysophrase, praise, the 11th jacinth, the 12th amethyst. That's my birthstone. That's purple. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Can you imagine the oyster them babies came out of? <laughs> the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Now skip down to chapter 22, just a few verses in verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of a street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. That's different, isn't it? We don't have any trees that yield fruit every month, do we? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. Moses couldn't do that. They shall see his face, and his name shall be written on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp for the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, I'm sure that that description that John wrote down 
doesn't even begin to explain how prestigious heaven is going to be. Now, will those stones and gold, will that actually be the material, or is that just John's best description of what he saw? I don't know. I mean, streets of gold is pretty good. Amen? There's an old song. The name of it is Joy Unspeakable. Anybody know that song? The chorus says, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. The half has never yet been told. It doesn't matter how long I preach, I will never even get to half of what this place, this prestigious place is going to be like. Number four, heaven is a perfect place. Now, we misuse that word perfect a lot, don't we? Uh, when, 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 if you've ever had a new baby born, and you look at it real quickly, and as long as it's got all of its obvious parts, uh, by the way, they're either male or female. I just heard the other day there's now, what, 70? 70 gender. Is that? Huh? What? It's interesting when they find a skeleton, they determine really quickly that's a male or a female. They don't say that's a something else. That's number 34. No. It's male or female. But we see this new baby... And we go, oh, he's perfect, or she's perfect, but they're not. Wait about two years, <laughs> or 15, and tell me they're perfect. Did anybody ever build your own house? I mean, you designed it, you built it, you were the first ones to live in it. Uh, you can say, after it's finished and you walk in it for the first time, when it's all finished and you move in, you go, well, this is just perfect. But guess what? It's not. Wait a few minutes and you'll find something, oh, we should have done that differently. Denise and I had the privilege in South Carolina to build, I mean, we picked out the lot and then the guy built the house. So we got to basically design everything about it. And after we moved in, we thought, oh, we should have done that differently. We should have done that differently. Um, we made the decisions, so it wasn't perfect. But guess what? In a little while, there's going to be some nail heads popping through the plaster, or there's going to be a faucet leaking, or there's going to be the AC is going to quit. Amen? So our, our idea of perfect is short-sighted at best, short-sighted. So when God, think about when God created the earth. In Genesis, it says he created the earth, and he looked at it, and what did he say? He says good or very. He, he didn't say it's perfect, did he? Why? We already talked about it. That, it wasn't going to be the eternal place. It wasn't perfect. God knew what was going to happen, and he knew this place was not perfect. But heaven is going to be a perfect place. There's, no, there, there's not going to be any chance of anything going wrong. In heaven. Again, back to Revelation chapter 21. We didn't read at the beginning of uh, chapter 21. Look at what it says, Revelation 21, first four verses. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Did you see what that says? The former things have passed away. Can I tell you what the former things are? Anything that's not perfect. (laughs) Because heaven's going to be a perfect place. So there can't be anything there that's not perfect. All the former things have passed away. Heaven's going to be a perfect place. Number five, heaven is going to be a personal place. Back in our text, here's what we read in verse 2. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, that where I am, there you may be also. What form of speech is you? Huh? Personal pronoun. Correct? I barely passed that English test. Heaven is going to be a personal place. Jesus says it many times. Uh, You, 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 you. He's talking about personal people. There are going to be people there. Who's going to be there? Well, I hope you're going to be there. Who's going to be in heaven? Who's going to be in heaven? I mean, of us here today. You know what? I hope your one is going to be in heaven. How many weren't here last week? Come on, admit it. I know you weren't here. I saw it. (laughs) Did you go on and listen to the message? You need to go on the website and listen to the message, Who's Your One? All of us are supposed to pick out one person we're going to work on for the next year and try to bring them to Christ and get them involved in Hope Fellowship. So I hope your one is going to be there. I hope you're praying about who that is. But think about who else is going to be there. Sometimes I think about who's going to be in heaven. I think about Enoch. Hey, Enoch's quite a guy. I mean, he walked so closely with the Lord, he walked straight into heaven. He didn't even die. Uh, Abraham. Moses. Elijah. King David. Peter. Paul. Martin Luther. You mean there's going to be a Lutheran in heaven? John Wesley. D.L. Moody, some of your relatives, some of my relatives, friends. Going to be a lot of folks in heaven. You know what? We're going to have all all kinds of time to sit down and converse with people that we've only heard about all of our lives. Let me tell them to sit down with Moses and say, Moses, tell me about that, man. You know what I think? I, I, I really think, I really hope this is going to be part of heaven. I hope there's some way God's going to allow this and God can figure it out that we can go in virtual reality and be at the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, we can just be part of the group, standing behind Moses and watching the water go and walk across on dry ground. Or, Or we could be it with Elijah on Mount Carmel when he says, who's really God? 
And he gets the 450 prophets of Baal, and they say, you guys do your thing, and I'll do my thing. And God consumes the, not only the sacrifice, but the wood and the stones and licks up all the water. Or you could be in virtual reality when Jesus is feeding the 5,000. He takes a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, and he feeds really 15 or 20, probably 20,000 people. And you can actually be there and see it happen. Won't that be cool? Can't, can't you imagine that being a part? Wouldn't that be something to be, to be actually virtual reality in that place? I, I think that's, 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 uh, that's my order. Okay? God, I'd like to have that. Um, we sang about it a few minutes ago. When we all get to heaven, what a day of what? Rejoicing that will be. Heaven, heaven, heaven is going to be a personal place. Number six, heaven is a permanent place. Now, this one's not necessarily spelled out in this passage, but I want you to just think about it. Jesus says this is the Father's house. God is eternal. We already read that in Psalm 90 at the beginning of the service, that he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is eternal. The Father is eternal. Jesus is eternal. The Holy Spirit's eternal. We're eternal. How could heaven not be an eternal, permanent place? Has to be. Goes without saying that heaven is a permanent place. And once we get to heaven, there will be no end. Now, I know it's difficult for us to conceive of forever, of something permanent, because we, we, we just don't experience it. We, we think someone that's lived over 100 years it has lived a long time, right? Do you ever go, sometimes you go, like talk about the Bitmore house, or you go into a house and say, oh, this house is 200 years old. You think, wow, this thing's 200 years old. Now, if you go across the pond to Europe and Greece and Turkey and some of those places Denise and I have had the privilege to go to, and you see some buildings that are 5,000 years old or 4,000 or 2,000 and you go, 200 years? <laughs> That's brand new. Yeah, we think it's really old, right? Well, we really can't conceive of something forever. We, we can't, our, our minds can't wrap around that idea. In fact, if you try to really think about forever, living forever, you have to physically stop yourself from thinking because your mind will explode. <laughs> Because even though God's, Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in our hearts, we really can't conceive of it. And so Jesus says that, that heaven is going to be a permanent place. I think about Methuselah. How, how long did Methuselah live? Oldest man ever, as far as we know, ever lived. 969 years. Now, some people say, well, that wasn't really the same years. Oh, yes, it was. Stop trying to explain away the Bible and just believe it. Now, I mean, it talks about his years, and then it talks about you see the years going down as you read through the Bible, and the years keep decreasing until God finally says, okay, 70 years, if by reason of strength, 80, and some people are really strong, they live longer than that. But 969 years? Wow. So heaven is a permanent place. Now, here's the last thing. Heaven is a privileged place. I've been invited to a couple of events in my life that were privileged events. 
when I was in South Carolina, uh, the, the chairman of the Republican Party in that county was a member of our church. <clears throat> and when, when Mike Huckabee was running for president, <clears throat> whatever year that was, 2008, the first time he ran, 2008, I guess, <clears throat> he was going to be speaking at the Republican ball in the county. So Robert, who, this guy, said, Preacher, you want to come to the Republican ball? I said, yeah, sure. He says, Mike Huckabee's going to be speaker. I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, now, you, you, you got a tux, you got to wear a tux. I said, yeah, I got a tux. And Denise has got to wear a real nice dress. I said, well, she'll have to go buy a real nice dress. <laughs> she hadn't got anything to wear. So we went, we went to this prestige. I mean, everybody dressed up. I mean, dressed up. You, you know what I'm talking about. And we're just plain folks. But I'm talking about folks, at high society folks, right? <clears throat> and we got to meet Mike Huckabee, and he actually came and preached at our church the next day because that was on a Saturday night. And he, <clears throat> he came and preached the next day. I, I, by the way, <clears throat> when I, I talked to his, his person, whoever, his handler, whatever you want to call administrative assistant, whatever, and, I, and they, he was making plans and trying to figure out, you know, how much time he was going to have to speak and whatever. And he goes, now, <clears throat> he won't, the governor won't get political. I said, oh, he can get political. He goes, no, he won't get political. I said, no, he can get political. He said, no, he'll just preach. I said, no, he can get political. I want him to get political. He goes, well, he won't do it. And you know, he never did. He never said one word about running. He never said one word about anything about politics. He got up and he preached the word. I got up and got political after he got done preaching the word. But you've been to that kind of event where you have to be invited. You might even have to have something to prove who you are, the invitation to, to get in the door. Or someone to go with you. I remember hearing Tony Evans talk about, I don't know if he still is, but he used to be the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And he said, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd take somebody with me and he'd go in before the games and do a devotional for the team. And, and he said, uh, you know, we'd go in the, we'd park in the, where the players park and we'd go in the private entrance and it was heavily guarded, you know. And he said, I'd walk in and the person or persons coming with me just to be a part of the group would come in behind me and they, the guard would always stop them and they'd go, now who are you? And they'd go, I'm with him, <laughs> with Tony Evans. See, that's kind, of what, that's kind of the idea about going to heaven. We don't get in on our own. I'm with him, right? I'm with Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 6. This is very important. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you see that? No one. How many? Nobody. Heaven is reserved only for those who go through the door. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He says also in that passage, if you come in any other way, you're a thief and a robber. In fact, you ain't getting in. There is no other way. Someone said, everyone talking about heaven ain't going there. When we were warming up this morning, going over when we all get to heaven, I said, but we all ain't going. Right? Everybody ain't going. Listen, you 
and I have to know Jesus personally if we want to get into heaven. Amen? I didn't say you need to know about him. I didn't say you need to think you know him. You need to know that you know him. You need to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Here's what the Bible says, Revelation 20, verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, chapter 21, verse 27. But there shall be no, by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So here's the question. How do you get your name in the Lamb's book of life? I'm with him. <laughs> right? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Th there's no other way. There's no other avenue. There's no other door. There's no back secret entrance. Jesus is the way. He's the only way into the Father's house. Because heaven is a privileged place. It is only for those who can say, I'm with him. Now bow your heads, close your eyes as our musicians come. Here's my question for you as we close today. Are you going to heaven? Are you sure you're going to heaven? Listen, eternity is a long time to be wrong. So if you're sure today, all heads are bowed, nobody's looking around, eyes are closed. If you're sure today you're going to heaven, I want you to raise your hand in testimony to that fact. I know I'm going. I know I'm going. I know I'm going. All right, thank you. Put them down. Now, if you couldn't raise your hand, maybe it's because you just don't know. Maybe it's because you're, well, you're not sure. I want to say to you, don't miss heaven. There's no reason for anybody to miss heaven. Jesus paid the way. He made the way. He offers the way. We heard about it today. We know how to go. Why would we put off making sure that we know we're going to go to heaven? One of my favorite verses in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it. If you don't know it, don't leave here today without knowing it. Maybe today there's someone here who says, you know what? I really like this church. The preacher, well, maybe he's okay. But I really like this church. And I sure would like to be a part of this church. I'd like to join Hope Fellowship. You can do that today. We're going to sing an invitation. And you can come to trust Christ as your Savior. I'd be glad to help you do that to join this church, to pray. Whatever God's leading you to do, just do it. Father, help us in these next few moments to hear your spirit and to do as you lead us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.